Hi, everyone. Welcome to this, the first episode of Work, Rest and Pay. This is an audio series where we'll be exploring and discussing some of the HR and pay challenges of our time. I'm Laura Whitfler, and I'm the External Communications Manager at ADP UK. In the wake of the coronavirus outbreak, uh, traditional norms surrounding the way people work and indeed the expectations they have for the future have most definitely been overturned. And I think we've all felt that in some shape or form. It's probably fair to say at the same time that the way employees feel and the way employers anticipate and I suppose respond to those feelings is more important now than it ever has been. In this series, we'll be looking at the future of work and pay, um, looking both through the lenses of employers and employees and taking a look at some of the practical scenarios and experiences and looking at sort of potential innovative ways forward. So in each episode, I'll be chatting with a guest participant alongside our very own Jeff Phipps, General Manager at ADP UK. So Jeff, um, you're very welcome. Um, just for listeners who don't know Jeff, Jeff is responsible for all of ADP's operational and indeed strategic business activities in both the UK and Ireland. And he leads and supports a diverse team of approximately 1,200 staff across yes, right. Ireland and the UK. <clears throat> So today we are joined by Marcia LaRose. Hi, Marcia. Hi there. So Marcia is head of HR at Four Communications. Four Communications is a leading integrated marketing agency in the UK and in the Middle East. Um, and that organization has about 290 employees across the UK and the UAE. So, um, Marcia uh, joined uh, for communications as finance manager, which took on the role of um, HR, head of HR, as well as um, personal finance issues such as salaries and, and tax. So quite a quite a wide remit, I would say, Marcia. Your your biography on the the website it says that you have an answer to most questions and are a quick thinking resolver so no pressure on asking some <laughs> of the questions and the debates that we have on this series you're very welcome both of you um today the topic is all around flexible working is top of mind i'm sure for both of you um, what we want to do is take a little bit of a look at uh, some of the findings from a recent ADP uh, survey conducted globally. Um, we look at those um, findings on flexible work and we will talk through um, how they might resonate with you and your organisations and the employees that you are working with. Um, we're very much trying to look at a post-coronavirus um, world where obviously it is safe um, to, to go back to workplaces and offices if organisations indeed choose to do that. But before we look at those findings, could I ask both of you please to um, give listeners a, a quick flavour of what flexible work looked like in your organisation prior to our COVID-19 lockdown in the UK? So maybe um, Marcia, would you like to go first? Yes, um, we had a number of people that working flexibly prior to COVID. Um, some people or the vast majority were um, mainly returning mothers from maternity leave. 
they wanted to do alternate an alternate work pattern, which is absolutely fine. We had a couple of staff members who were studying and wanted to do compressed hours so they could have a, a Friday every fortnight off to do studying. So we had a, a complete range from people working from two days a week to four or four and a half days a week, any combination in between there. As a business, we're really easy going on people working flexibly, and we always have been. Um, so, yeah, so we had that was our setup prior to COVID. Okay. So, great mix um, and a big flexible working culture, then, in essence. Absolutely. Okay. Jeff, in terms of ADP and ADP UK, what did that picture look like in well, a nutshell? I, I think um, probably some way towards not quite as far down the track as, as as marcia was was saying there but certainly quite a lot of people that um we certainly try to accommodate um people when they when they want flexible working but i think a flexible working is is having two aspects of of time and and place and so from a time perspective i think um we have um some flexibility there but there are certain roles that i would certainly say at least coming up to you know the the sort of lockdown period that we sort of deemed that really had to be done on a kind of nine to five basis and we couldn't really at that time see a way around that and similarly with location so we do have some people so you know particularly certain roles um such as salespeople who are scattered across the country they're predominantly working from home um but a number of our, our roles are done um in the office and we've taken the view that that was because People, you know, need to work together in teams. Sometimes we've got people covering each other and things of that nature. And it was just better and more collaborative to have those people um, working in the same location. But as I'm sure you'll get to things have changed in the last few months. Yeah, great. OK, thank you. So if we if we then turn to, I suppose, the employee sentiment um, that uh, was reported on in this Workforce View 2020 Volume 2, we're calling it, um, because indeed, as, as Jeff, you know, um, the ADP uh, research is conducted every year. Um, it's, it's a global piece of research. Um, but this year, because of the pandemic and the sort of changing, evolving attitudes um, towards work, I guess, and the expectations of the workforce, um, while they were in COVID-19, um, a second tranche of research was conducted. Um, so the ADP Research Institute surveyed, just for listeners' information, about 11,000 workers um, across six countries. And that piece of research was conducted between the 28th of April and the 14th of May 2020. So a couple of months ago, um, but at the same time in the middle of, um, of the pandemic at that stage. So. If we look at sort of flexible working and some of the top line findings um, on, on that topic, it is probably quite unsurprising to find that flexible working is on the rise. The, the report definitely reinforced that. Um, nearly half of the respondents, about 44%, said employers now had official working policies in place. Um, and that was compared to about 24% prior to that. Um, again, Jeff, you would be familiar with the findings from volume one, um, which about, you know, it, it had doubled in effect really yep. um, in, from that previous previous time. If we just look at the UK specifically, there 
the response rate was 33% saying that their company had an official or written policy allowing for flexible working arrangements. And at the same time, though, in the UK, about 12% felt pressure to come into the office. Um, and this was more at the beginning of the health emergency. But the question did ask whether they continue to feel pressure to do so. And I suppose that leads me on to the first question around that pressure to be in a physical workplace amongst your colleagues. Does that 12% finding, I suppose, surprise either of you? Um, and what, what could be at play here? And, you know, how can that be addressed? Um, it, it does and it doesn't surprise me in the same, at the same time. Um, I feel that some businesses ha are run by people who are a bit, maybe a bit old fashioned and view coming into the office and being sat at a desk as working and, and have no scope of viewing it in any other format. So that might trickle down to their employees who also feel they need to physically be in the office. I, I would say I'm similarly like kind of surprised and not surprised. Um, I think that the um, the notion of policy, this is an interesting one, is just um, it's, it's pointless if there's nothing behind it. If it's um, so, you know, uh, Laura, we were talking the other day about the fact that there's a legal requirement that people can request to, you know, fl mm. flexible working. And but, you know, it's very much dependent on the culture of the organization and whether or not they support that as to whether or not that's that's a sort of valid um, you know, opportunity or not. In some companies, I think just asking for flexible working will get a, you know, get a sort of kind of cross against your name. So people won't even ask because the culture is that toxic that they don't even want to sort of look like it would be deemed as being, oh, you're not committed because you want to go part time and things of that nature. So I think um, that, that the danger of that, of course, is that people just feel, um, you know, that they're being held back from whatever it is that they want to do with that time. So I take the opposite view. I take the view that actually if you try as much as possible to create flexibility, you know, my experience when you um, when you create that flexibility with people so they can do the things that, that are important to them, they normally pay you back with interest. So, you know, I, I think it's I think a lot of this is less about policy from my perspective and more about culture and sort of leadership attitudes. And I was kind of Marcel, probably a sort of Marcel, bridge back to your point about old fashioned thinking. I, I, I'm not sure. Sometimes it, you, you can say old fashioned. I, I sometimes experience relatively young managers. I think it's um, maybe it's about control um, that there's this um, I think it's a false perception that if you can see people that you know what they're doing. Um, and actually, our research has shown the opposite, that people don't feel that their managers know what they're doing. More often, the managers think they do. So there's a mismatch there in terms of um, what's really going on. Yes, I think I think you're right with regard to the control element. Um, but individuals have proved time and time again, especially those who were on flex, flexible working patterns prior to COVID, that they work harder when they're at home. There's this sort <clears> of <throat> proof that I'm working that people need to show, uh, which makes them just work harder when they're, when they're not physically in the office and have somebody hanging on their shoulder. And um, in, in our environment, in a creative environment, it, some teams are finding it quite difficult not working as a unit together to be creative together um and, and we're trying to get over that hurdle 
but um, the vast majority of workers being pulled out at the same tier, if not higher than, than before. Mm. Yeah. So the idea of sort of demonstrating your value and worth is almost neg negligible um, because, you know, managers can see the productivity and can see that, you know, giving giving workers, giving employees, I suppose, that the, the, the flexibility to, to work around their own commitments a little bit um, allows them to, I suppose, work at particular times when they are most productive, for instance, or, um, or, or I suppose, demonstrate their worth in other ways. So it, it doesn't need to be tied to the to the physical workplace. That's there are different types of roles there, though. So, yes, you know, if you get um, think about like if you think about a firefighter, a firefighter isn't paid on the number of fires they put out. They're just, you need them there. And actually you hope there aren't any fires. You just want them there as a sort of precaution. Um, whereas there are other roles that are more tied to some sort of um, sort of measurable output. And that's what you're looking at as a sort of measure of productivity. So I think, um, and, and Marcia sort of touched on creatives there. Some people, their roles are very, um, they just need to get on with their job. And others, they're very much working part of a team dynamic and so there are there are different kind of aspects and, and perspectives to how you look at this. Yeah. And that team dynamic, Marcia, what have you been doing, I suppose, during this period where everyone is remote? Um, is there any sort of examples you could share of how how that's been working? We've been conducting plenty of online meetings and sessions, um, whether they be social or work related. Um, including the people who are on furlough on the, on the social um, meetings. So we've been trying to do that. We've been we've been trying to make it as 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 best as we can, really. Sort of this make do of of what we've got and how we can get around it. But now we're in the process or have the ability to physically go in the office. We're going to be. Um, Conducted well, we've run a survey and we're going to be conducting a group group by group how people can actually go in the office, especially focused on the more creative teams first. Okay, okay. So that sort of leads us on to, um, I suppose, that the flexible working definition. Um, I think you've both sort of maybe touched on it a little bit. You know, it can be about time, it can be about location. And I suppose in the past, maybe it was maybe more more one than the other. Now, what are you hearing sort of from your employees? Is it sort of a whole blend of these things on like a very personalized level? That's sort of the new request? Or, you know, what 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 does the future look like in the eyes of your employees, what are they? What are they looking for? If you it have is, done any research, it, we have, and it's very individualised. So we've got a couple of employees who are Spanish nationals, and they want to go back to Spain and work, which we can't see an actual issue with. It's only with uh, if there was an, some sort of meeting they needed to attend. As long as everyone's got enough notice, they they can come and attend meetings. So we've got 
currently I've got employees in Canada. We have no offices in Canada. I've got employees in Canada, in Scotland, um, in different parts of the world. I spoke to somebody, I'm furloughing them yesterday. They're currently in Pakistan. So we've got people all over and we're quite happy for people to be uh, wherever works best for them. But, um, you know, the London rental market is astronomical or has been astronomical. So a lot of our junior staff who were renting rooms and things have gone back home whether it be Cambridge or wherever and yeah. working from home home and it, saving lots and lots of money so it could potentially work out really great for everybody because we've we've not seen as I said a drop in productivity so it, there is no real reason for these individuals to physically be coming into the office every day we do feel that some teams may need to meet with each other maybe on once a fortnight or once every three weeks or something but as long as we pre-plan that individuals can get to london and attend a meeting or attend a day in the office that's that that works fine for us that's what our foundings um showed and and the majority of staff only want to be at work for maybe two or three days a week um and i think they were being quite conservative about their about their selection not wanting to sound like they just want to work from home permanently but the vast majority want to work in the office two or three days a week according to our findings yeah it's, it's interesting we um we're just in the process of getting our first office um ready to reopen um i say that hopefully um you know keep watching the news to see how things are spiking up and where the next hotspot is but um it was interesting that when we first asked for volunteers and, uh, you know, see who and, and I should stress that our surveys that we were doing told us that the vast majority of people were very happy working from home. But we had a small number, uh, less than five percent that were saying, actually, I'm finding this quite hard. And so we said, OK, we're going to create we're going to get the office open, at least in a form where you can you can have somewhere to work if this isn't working for you. So that's been our, our priority. What was interesting there, though, is when we first opened that up, we got really low take up in terms of people saying I, I want to come into the the office what, what sort of changed the dynamic is that we then said okay we're going to make this flexible so when we said when we gave people the option of only coming in two or three days a week suddenly we had a lot more people so I think that there is a an element there of people just saying you know what I, I miss the office I miss seeing some people from work I'd like some of that but I actually quite like you know this ability to sort of work from home as well where I haven't got the commute and so it was interesting to us that they were looking for that sort of combination um, of, of kind of offerings so that's that's what we found. What do we think in terms of sort of being able to accommodate that in obviously the future when again it is you know safe to do so um, do you think that's sort of more of a is it even possible to have sort of a blanket corporate policy on this or is it is it very much sort of line manager by line manager type um bespoke so individual being, policy or what what's yeah what's your thinking I'm on being that quite careful about trying to there's lots of people around at the moment who want to tell you what's going to happen in the future yeah, mm -hmm. and um i think that for everyone who tells me that they love the, the flexibility or the convenience of working from home um whether it's the uh kind of uh, elasticated trousers or the fact they haven't got to have the commute you know people you know are saying they like this but the next thing they say consistently is but i miss my colleagues so Absolutely. at the moment i think that we've got to remember that right now people feel safe at home it's what they know it's the place they feel safest we have a health issue and 
if you go back and look over time when people have tried these things prior to this, um, then people, there's a reason why we were still working in offices at the beginning of, of 2020. People had tried a lot of these things and, and um, they'd found that people really do want to collaborate. And there's also a bit of FOMO as well. So people, if you've got 50% of the people in the office, the people that are not there feel that they're kind of maybe missing out on certain aspects of being in the office. So I wonder how that will kick in. The one thing that I would say is perhaps different this time is the adoption of um, uh, video software, which has been around for ages, but the mass adoption of this stuff and the level of that's been so that it means now that everybody is, you know, you, you know, you're not excluded from the meeting, you know, partially because you're the one person dialing in and everyone else is in the room. So I think the technology is perhaps the, the question mark for me in terms of what that enables in the future. You also at that stage where you're sort of still stepping back and and listening um, rather than rolling something out or whatever you at. Absolutely, we're still listening. There are a very, very small number of individuals who want to go into the office. We found um, they tend to be um, people who want the, the separation be between work and home, um, but then they also are a bit nervous about the physical travelling from home to work and back again with the amount of people on the tube and things. So we are still sitting back and listening. Our head office is in London with over 200 staff in the, in the London office. So if if they all came in, it wouldn't we, we just wouldn't be COVID compliant anyway if yeah. everybody turned up um, so that we will have to have some sort of rotor system and some, and you know, segregation of desks and things. So we'll, there's lots to be still move forward with before we, we would be able to allow a, a group of people to come to the office. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like you you are a great advocate for flexible working anyway, and that that the, the change I suppose for for your organisation wasn't that huge for some pockets of the organisation at least, um, and that you would want to continue in that mode. Absolutely. So the change. Uh, I mean, I was a person who was in the office every day, Monday. To you know, 9 to 5, 30, I, I was one of those people, but I just felt I needed to be there with the position that I'm in for people to be able to approach me. But now I'm not there and they're still approaching me. So it's absolutely fine. It's just it's, it's where your head is at and where you and how you think your role fits in with this with with everything else there will be some roles that are just impossible in other businesses that it just would be impossible for them to work from home but in our business it's worked really well um, across all of our um, offices um, it's been absolutely fine and as I said we've all been very flexible we've all, all already had laptops so it wasn't a big leap for us as it may have been for other businesses for people to just plug in at home. Marcia, you um you said there about you going. I'm I'm like you normally. I'm in the office every day. Um, and you know to the degree that some people thought I would really struggle with this, but I'm fine. I'm fortunate. I've got the workspace to get it done. And um, you know, my kids are only interested in me as a source of of, of income, and so they leave me alone. But um, I I have got colleagues who really miss the demarcation between the office and home and you know they feel that there was that buffer zone of going home and coming you know and going in in the morning where they could kind of switch into work mode and you know so that demarcation going i think is something that i maybe actually more recently have found 
you know, there's a little bit like I had a week off last week and, you know, we didn't go anywhere. So it just felt like I was doing a lot of the same things, only with less video calls. Um, so I, I sort of missed the demarcation. I don't know. Have you sort of found that yourself or with others at work? Yeah, yes, we have. And, and one of the teams has figured out that if they go on the some cheaper versions of video conferencing that you, you don't pay for, you can stay online with your team all day, even though you might not all be talking or talking about anything, but you can see each other and you can just pipe up and say, so everybody's actually online at the same time. So they don't feel as um, solitary as, they, as maybe they, they could have done. Yeah, we've got a um, WhatsApp group called the um, Macaulay, I think it's the Macaulay Colking um, WhatsApp group for those people who are home alone, right? So um, it's been fun to see some of the stuff has been, it's funny, but it's actually sort of sort of great at the same time, how people have just risen to support each other there. Absolutely, yes. We've got a number of groups, support groups as well via WhatsApp, a parent group, which seems to be a lot of memes, a, um, a um, home alone group, like like you say. So, yeah, so we've we've got those going on as well. People who want to move out of London group. We've got lots of, lots of very, very. <laughs> and do you think that will continue? Do you think that's something, a I, legacy from the corona for virus maybe I, do, I really do because a lot of these people may not have worked together they work at the mm -hmm. same company but they may not have worked together and it just so happens they're in the same pool so they're they're spending a lot more time with each other albeit online um than they would have done normally and so that friendships have, have been created so yeah i do think that type of thing will continue yeah so in that sense i suppose the the functional divide is almost yeah uh, it's addressed i suppose in a way people have different pockets of interest and online allows you to to bring those people together that's really interesting um cool okay so uh i guess we're i suppose nearly uh, at time um i suppose just a final word in terms of, sort of the decisions we make today as employers um i guess are going to have you know very long-term implications um, for employees and for the commercials and whatnot. Um, I think I'm hearing from both of you that, you know, it's, it's a long game <laughs> rather than making a decision right now, even though, uh, you know, Boris Johnson has, I suppose, opened up the, the doors in terms of uh, workforces are now allowed to be back in the offices um, if it's safe to do so. I don't know the, the finer detail of those guidelines, but, um, is is that true to say for both of you, Marcia? You know, are you you holding off um, from making any of those big decisions? Absolutely. We our survey showed that staff weren't keen to the vast majority of staff weren't keen to come back as yet. Um, anyway, um, the things that concern them, especially the ones based in London, is the journey to and from work. Um, which is a big concern, and I think that would be for every business in London, with the number of people who would normally be in a carriage on the central line, for example, what, how, yeah. how is this going to work and how are people going to feel comfortable? And where businesses have to be more flexible about timings anyway, because everyone can't come to work for nine o'clock, um, if, if that was the case. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're literally absolutely sitting back and holding out there is no huge rush for any of us to get to the office although boris has given the all clear at the moment yeah yeah so i i mean i i think um 
You know, we have um, this Project DeLorean, and um, it's excuse. I'm sure you're going to groan at this, but this is how you know the, how we get back to the future. And um, I'm really, really keen to um, I'm really keen to see uh, get as much involvement as possible from across our employees to really get that. I mean, just echoing um, what Marcia said earlier, that this is very individual. And when you have got people who are potentially saying, hey, I if this gives me the flexibility to maybe, you know, not have to move from another part of the country to work for you um, or to save money, whatever it may be. Um, we were talking earlier about how they're they're kind of doing 12 month visas to go and live in Barbados. And you Absolutely. Sort of think, why <laughs> couldn't why couldn't I do that? Uh, I can't think of a reason. Um, so, um, you know, there's potentially there's some real kind of upsides of this. I think, though, that we just got to um, we've got to look on the other side. We've got to make sure, mm. you know, I have certain concerns about how fair this will be on everybody. So, um, uh, you know, what one of. One of my concerns, I mean, I I read, you know, not long ago, I read the book kind of Invisible Women about how much unpaid work is being done disproportionately by women than men. Um, I'm worried about whether that has actually been potentially got worse through what's happened with kind of lockdown and, and kids being at home and things like that. Um, I know it's anecdotal, but, you know, I'm yet to hear of of many men complaining about having to balance the sort of homeschooling and and the work so i'm worried about things like that and how that might be happen how that might happen we can't necessarily as an employer be expected to sort of be some kind of you know big big brother or, or big sister that that looks after all of those things but we've got to be mindful in whatever we design for the future how do we make sure that it's fair, that everyone comes out mm -hmm. of it as well as possible? So I think that's one of the, the things I'm sort of cautious of getting right as we, we come out of this. And then how can we really fundamentally rethink, you know, what, what it is to come to work? Does it have to be the hours? Um, does it have to be the place that we expected? You know, why don't we, I think there's going to be a huge amount of innovation in the, in the years to come. Typically, when something big like this happens, it causes a big acceleration in innovation. And I'm already seeing some of that happen in some of our behaviors and some of the software tools we're seeing. So we've got to be sort of, I think, as open-minded as possible, but also definitely having one eye open on, on what the potential pitfalls or risk could be that were, if you like, the unforeseen consequences of some of this stuff. Definitely. Okay, really uh, interesting uh, discussion. Definitely not the last word on this, for sure. Um, it's one that's going to, to continue for quite some time, I think, um, even beyond coronavirus, I would say. Um, but things have accelerated, and it sounds like um, both, both your workforces are, are doing well in the environment, which is great to hear. Um, so this was the first episode um, in our series, Work, Rest and Pay. Um, we will be looking at future topics covered by the Research Findings Workforce View um, in future episodes. Um, the next one will look at the hot topic of unpaid overtime and sacrifices on pay, um, which unfortunately is also quite timely. Um, if you'd like to find out more about the Workforce View Volume 2 findings, um, please visit uk.adp.com forward slash WFV 2020. Or if you are a client of ADP, uh, please feel free to visit our online client community, The Bridge, where you'll also find a copy of that report. So thank you, Marcia, and thank you, Jeff, for your insights today. And thank you all for listening.